Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. Joined, as usual, by my awesome sidekick, Awesome Ward. Awesome Ward, welcome back to the Tim May Podcast. How's it going? Uh, the aptly named Tim May Podcast, as I uh, recall from that intro. It's great. It's Thanksgiving week. Uh, we're covering an undefeated team. And there's still a lot to break down about it. So I'm not complaining whatsoever. I'm not complaining whatsoever what's, what, uh, either. Uh, you know, and I have a special guest coming on again, by the way, speaking of staying in the Thanksgiving uh, frame of mind and the holiday frame of mind, uh, Monica Johnson. I had her on earlier uh, this year talking about her uh, highly publicized uh, five-star son, Paris Johnson Jr. But Paris Johnson Jr., is, uh, the, he started the Paris Johnson Jr. Foundation a few years ago, now he gets to put his name on it because he's he's of age, and and uh, as the loosening comes of name, image, and likeness among the NCAA, he's also uh, has the has the ability now to help raise funds for his foundation, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, it's it's a really good, strong, uh, uh, in my opinion, endeavor by him and his mother, and uh, with uh, I don't know, it's just hard to believe an 18 year old could have that kind of for thinking. As a matter of fact, I think this started when he was in the third grade, the idea of these kind of things. But mm. uh, but I digress at the moment. I'll have her on in a minute to speak of that. But, you know, quickly, uh, you and I are going to break down Ohio State in the second part of this uh, program. But just your general take on Ohio State coming out of that game over Indiana, going into a game against Illinois, was definitely found its stride last week uh, in that game. <laughs> in that game at Nebraska, Nebraska were all black. They were the black shirts all day, black shirts and pants all day. And Illinois just put them away. And just, uh, just kind of what are your general thoughts right now before we break it down in a little while? Yeah, it was nice of Nebraska to uh, wear black to its own funeral for the season. Uh, Scott Frost, I mean, look, that game tells you much more about Nebraska and Scott Frost than it does Illinois, in my opinion. Um, we, we've talked, you know, Lovey Smith has done some, uh, you know, Decent building, but it's still not really turned the corner into a truly competitive program. I think that will be clear on Saturday. Um, but you go win at Nebraska anytime, that still resonates in your mind. That that used to be uh, a truly significant thing. It's not. It doesn't have the same value as it once did. Uh, and the Huskers, I mean, they've got to take a long look at what's going on there. I know that there are lots of you know, we can even use, you know, the pandemic to look at some of the things that have gone wrong for Ohio State. That applies to everybody. So you don't want to make uh, <clears throat> all the harsh judgments, especially if your revenue is down this year. But, man, uh, this was not what Nebraska bargained for uh, when it brought Scott Frost home. And for that reason, I think I have a hard time just looking at, at Saturday and, and assigning a lot of value to Illinois. You know, like about you, Awesome, if you and I were going on the road together, you know, uh, which will happen, 
Hopefully. You'd be one of those guys, we'd get off on a side road and you'd want to eat this one particular restaurant that, uh, you know, that maybe we didn't have in mind when we first started because I was asking you that based on how Ohio State kind of sits right now. What's kind of their frame of mind? And and you did, you did a, a short, succinct, and I think accurate critique of the Nebraska program. You know, here's what I'll, I'll say about this, and then we'll move on to my interview with uh, – with Monica Johnson. I'm sorry I didn't get the script right. That's all right, man. That's all right. No, there is no script. That's what's great about this improv, like curb your enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, the, the, what I get, Illinois should have beaten Nebraska last year, did beat Wisconsin. Uh, on any particular day, Illinois has, can play some offense, man, and occasionally play some defense, which is what's really weird. I think Lovey Smith is slowly but surely turning a corner there uh, in, in some respects based on last year for sure. And uh, and then, hey, they showed a passing attack, especially with this Amater, Amater Bebe kid uh, who really Nebraska had no answer for, much like, much like Ty Freifogel for Indiana this past week. I mean – Ohio State, you know, better be ready for what's coming because, as you pointed out uh, in our – what was it called? Our rapid reaction, our fire truck to the fire uh, uh, <laughs> video after the game on Saturday. Why wouldn't everybody just line up and throw the ball on every down against Ohio State based on what we've seen the last, uh, the last game and a half especially? Uh, we're going to get into that, but you, you still stand by that, don't you? Hey, yeah. uh, until they stop it, keep doing it. And, and, again, that's partly because um, whether the defensive line is generating a lot of sacks or not, they're playing at a high level, and you cannot run on this front seven. Uh, you know, the linebackers are playing at far and away uh, the highest level that they have in years for this program, um, yeah. which, you know, it has historically rich tradition at linebacker. It's been fully restored uh, to greatness, in my opinion. And, again, I think people are dwelling too much on the sacks and not on the amount of pressure that the front four is getting and uh, the ability to shut down the run. So if you're going to – you're not going to hold every team to minus one rushing yards, but Indiana recognized there was not going to be anything happening for them there, and they had enough talent in the passing game to just go air it out, and there were enough yeah. concerns about Ohio State's secondary to do that. Not every team is going to be able to execute that game plan. It's a dangerous one, I think, still, if you're going to put – if you don't have a – like Penix – uh, I, I knew he was good, but he was much better than I gave him credit for last week. I'm not af afraid to admit that. But, um, you know, Illinois won't be able to do that. Uh, Michigan State absolutely will not be able to do that. Michigan, they've got a couple good receivers, but, uh, you know, you look at that passing, the, the quarterback situation still not great. So the point is, does that mean Ohio State just skates by? No, they still have to improve in the secondary. They will. Yeah. Hey, hold that now. Wait a minute, yeah, hold right. that thought, because we're going. That's what we're going to get into immediately when we come back. But you're exactly right. But I tell you what, Michigan, I think has made it switch at quarterback. Uh, McNamara, I thought. I mean, yeah, it was a come from behind, fantastic overtime win at Rutgers. <laughs> you know, yeah. but they were down. I mean, they were on the mat, man. They were down seventeen nothing in that game, and it could have been the end of everything as Michigan fans know it. And instead, they came back. So. Uh, I think I think I saw a glimmer of a of what I think is a decent passing attack there, but I'm also like you. I'm great. I'm grading it with a little bit of salt added on who they were playing against. We're going to get into that, but we're going to definitely uh, get in a little bit more of what we see could be changes in Ohio State's secondary 
coming up this week when they play at Illinois. But first of all, I want to get into this interview I did with Monica Johnson, the mother of Paris Johnson Jr. Yeah, who knows? She may end up becoming like my second awesome on this uh, <laughs> podcast when it's all over. But definitely, I enjoyed having her on several weeks ago to talk about her son. And now I've got her on talking about her son's foundation, but also bringing up the fact, that, you know, for the first time this year, Ohio State, uh, uh, Ohio State players' parents and uh, coaches' families were not allowed in the stadium to watch the game, and I'll get her reaction to that too. She's like the freshman representative on the uh, Football Parents Association of Ohio State, and uh, obviously they weren't real happy with that. They sort of understand it, but obviously weren't happy about it. But you know, we'll, we'll listen to this interview with Monica Johnson, and we'll be back in a moment to chop up the Ohio State secondary. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, I've got Monica Johnson back on my podcast for many reasons. Uh, by the way, she's the mother of Ohio State freshman uh, offensive tackle, Paris Johnson Jr. And Monica, thanks for coming back to the Tim May podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, the reason is this is a holiday holiday uh, week, uh, mm-hmm. one of the great holidays, I think, out there, at least, you know, from the standpoint of a tradition with Thanksgiving. Uh, it always means turkey and football. But it yes. also, you know, as a holiday start, there are a lot of people out there struggling, uh, having uh, difficulties. And what what I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, you guys have established the Paris Johnson Jr. Foundation, uh, which is dedicated to empowering uh, disabled uh, veterans and also uh, working with dis- disadvantaged student athletes, uh, basically with help helpful resources. I don't, I'm not sure a lot of people know about this foundation yet, but uh, what's just sort of the give us a little background on what it is you guys are trying to accomplish. And, you know, we'll get into like uh, Paris Johnson Jr. He may be a different dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for having me. But um, the foundation has two pillars. And one is to serve disabled veterans because Paris feels that that's a population that is not appreciated, that there's great men and women that serve our country every single day, that give us the freedom to play something as simple as football. And so he's grateful for that opportunity and he wants to be able to give back to them. He feels that's a population that shouldn't have to struggle. Whatever their needs are, their needs should be met just because they sacrifice so much for us to have our freedom. And then of course, football is near and dear our heart and Paris wants to be able to serve student athletes that did not and does not have the same um, advantages that he has. Because sometimes we both know that as a student is going through the recruiting process, um, they may be limited on resources to go to exposure camps, resources on being able to visit different colleges and universities. And so we wanna be able to assist in that way. Yeah, you know, and uh, this, you, you guys in Paris, y'all, y'all started this a while ago, right? I mean, the idea of this, uh, you had to wait till he became of age, <laughs> 18, to uh, have the right to put his name on it and pursue it. But then on top of that, uh, you know, you've gotten clearance now from Ohio State and the NCAA 
to pursue this too, right? Give us just an idea of the, of a little bit of that process and how, you know, how, I don't know if grateful you are to be able to like uh, get his name out there and, and uh, let him be the point man on this. Again, absolutely. The foundation started two years ago. It started in November of 2018 while Paris was a student in high school. And we decided we wanted to move forward because Paris wanted to use his platform that God has given him to be able to bless other people. Because his thoughts are, Mom, we don't, I don't know how long I'm going to have this platform, so I want to be able to use it for good. So we started it two years ago, and it was actually, um, I remember when we were going through the recruiting process, we were sharing this information with the university, so they knew exactly what we were doing, what our intentions were, and so they wasn't, a, a, they were not able to assist, of course, but they were aware of what we were doing as a family. And once Paris enrolled in Ohio State in January of 2020, then myself and Compliance started meeting um, via Zoom and conference call, just meeting moving forward so we can make sure we were doing everything correctly in regards to sharing the foundation and also making sure that NCAA was aware of the foundation and we just received our waiver a little over a month ago so we can begin to move forward and share with others what our family is trying to accomplish. Yeah. You know, uh, this name, image, and likeness, uh, uh, I don't know what you're loosening more than anything else of the range where uh, student athletes will be able to take advantage of their name, image, and likeness isn't, is it doesn't necessarily mean you're just got your hand out. It means sometimes you're giving people a hand. And uh, that's what stands out to me about what Paris is Paris Johnson Jr. is doing with this is uh, he's taking it to another level in that regard. Uh, it's not just about the money you can make. It's the way you can help others. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, we'll get into where people can, uh, can, can get into the donation part of this in, in a, in a few minutes, but I want you to get back to one thing. To, to the pillars, the two pillars you stand on. Number one, where did you notice that he had this affinity for disabled veterans? Where, where did that, where did you first notice that in him as a youngster? Well, I noticed that Paris, I want to say around third grade, he enjoys studying history to this day. He loves history and he loves culture. And so he became really passionate about history in third grade. And so he was learning about the different wars during that time. And so we will have conversations at home about what he was learning in school and he became fascinated by that. Then also we, all, we also have veterans in our family that served in the Navy, but thank God they are healthy, they are successful, um, they're not disabled. So the disabled part came in when Paris started researching more about war and military and service and history. And as he started doing research, he discovered that a lot of disabled veterans are homeless. A lot of them struggle with mental illness. And he was just, was, I would say maybe, I don't want to say angry, but he was just really confused by that and couldn't understand why their basic needs wasn't taken care of. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you and I, I got to get, I got to give uh, people a little bit of a uh, look behind the curtain. You and, I, you and I have already talked about this thing, and it's really interesting to me, uh, this whole concept that Paris has. But give people that, that example of being at a football game, I think it was his yeah. sophomore year when he was at St. Xavier down at uh, uh, Cincinnati, and they were playing an inner city school. And yes. tell people about 
about what he talked talk to you about about after that game and I mean, it almost chokes me up a little bit to think that a, a young man thinks in the in, in this in this way. But give give people that little anecdote about uh, the conversation you had with him after that game. <laughs> yes, and actually, that's what that story, that incident, I should say, is what we decided as a family it was time to move forward and not wait. Again, um, Saint Xavier was playing an inner city school, and Paris noticed when he came off the field and defense was on their way onto the field, he noticed that the kids on the opposing team were sharing helmets and shoulder pads. He had never seen that before. And I have to be honest, Tim, I did not notice that. I did not see that. And again, Paris brought this to my attention after the game because he was really bothered by that. He couldn't understand why they didn't have the resources that were needed for a game. And he felt that those kids came in already defeated because their mind was not prepared. They wasn't mentally there in the game because of taking that moment to stop and switch helmets and shoulder pads. And it really bothered him. So we had a conversation about resources and how certain school districts have more resources than others, certain public schools, certain private schools, I'm sorry, have more resources than public schools. And so he just didn't like the disadvantages and just wanted to figure out what could he do to make a difference. Yeah. Wow, though. I mean, you're sitting there and you're listening to this. When you told me the story, I'm just going, you got to be kidding me. Who thinks like that as a sophomore yes. in high school? Most people are worried about their next video game they're going to get or they're probably yes. getting the latest iPhone or, or, excuse me, cell phone. Don't want to do any ads here. By the way, I have a Samsung, so that's where I am, but I digress. But, <laughs> but what did that, how did that strike you? I mean, I, I know you've, you've lived with him your whole life, so you're not probably as surprised as others are when he comes up with thoughts like this, right? I mean, he's yes. your kid, but like you and I talked about, you know, you grew up worried about, you know, and so did most of us worried about what you got, you know, what you had and stuff. Absolutely. And, how did that strike you, that conversation? I mean, it, it, it had to blow you away a little bit. It, I was blown away, and it challenged me. It, he challenged me to look beyond myself and to look around and look at the details because he's very detail-oriented, and he's always observing and watching and learning. And so it caused me to think outside the box and just look around and check my surroundings. I'm still learning, even though I'm Paris's mom. He still teaches me. My daughter Sydney teaches me, so I'm still learning. Yeah. Well, I want, I want to get this in here too. Uh, you know, uh, uh, monetary donations for this because obviously y'all aren't pulling money out of the air. Uh, no. The monetary donations. You know, you can you can use PayPal.me uh, slash Paris. Junior Foundation. Is it Paris Junior Foundation or Paris Johnson Junior Foundation on PayPal? I think it's it's Paris Junior Foundation. Yeah, Paris Junior Foundation. So uh, donations can be that way. PayPal dot me slash Paris Junior Foundation. You can also go into any Huntington Bank branch and uh, request to make a donation to the Paris Johnson Junior Foundation, or yes. you can mail. Correct. Yes. Yeah, and you can mail. Uh, uh, donations uh, to the Paris Johnson Jr. Foundation, P.O. Box 46215, P.O. Box 46, 46215, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45246-0215. That's Cincinnati, Ohio, 
4526-0215. And I'll give that, uh, I'll give that address again in a minute because we, we had, uh, we helped raise money for the uh, uh, Christina and Ryan Day Fund uh, last year on, uh, through uh, the Tim May podcast and got to present them with a nice little check. And, uh, but, you know, I'd rather people just make these uh, straight up and to the, Paris Johnson Jr. Foundation because I'm yeah. I'm really blown away by this and you know you guys have a couple of events coming up you have yes. the uh, the, uh, the turkey giveaway going you're giving away 71 turkeys uh, on November the 24th at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Cincinnati from uh, two to five p.m. and by the way you know yeah the Tim May uh, podcast is through LettermanRoad.com and we emanate uh, from our worldwide headquarters in in Columbus <laughs> but uh, people watch us all over the world believe it or yes. not. And uh, listen to us all over the world. So, again, that's at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Cincinnati. Uh, they're giving away 71 turkeys from 2 to 5 p.m. Don't be late. <laughs> and, uh, and then from November the 30th to December the 20th, you guys are requesting toys for families affected by the pandemic. Toys, of course, for yes. the Christmas holidays. And you'll be collecting those at Lincoln Heights, at the Lincoln Heights Municipal Building. 1201 Stephan Street, and that's in Cincinnati, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Stephan, S-T-E-F-F-E-N Street, Lincoln Heights Municipal Building, 1201 Stephan Street in Cincinnati, from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., uh, Monday through Friday, heading into the holidays. And uh, that's just a way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening and watching can get involved with this. And yet, just so far, what has been sort of the reaction to this foundation, uh, uh, Monica, because y'all are getting it, trying to get it into the mainstream, right? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. That That is our priority is to put it out there mainstream. Everyone so far has been very receptive, um, extremely supportive, and blown away that Paris had a desire to start this back in high school, and now we're able to really move forward with it. And folks just think it's just fascinating, especially right when we're in the middle of a football season that Paris is thinking about others. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get into that just a little bit with you. Uh, I like to parlay, you know, conversations. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden you find out on Thursday, I think it was Thursday of last week. Was it Wednesday yes. or Thursday? Your parents aren't even welcome at the games. How did that, how did that strike you? Uh, obviously Paris isn't a starter yet, but he's, you know, he's playing a little and things like that. He's a freshman. Freshman phenom, ladies and gentlemen, a, a five-star recruit out of Cincinnati. Uh, but uh, just what was your reaction to find out you weren't even invited to a games, uh, at least for the time being? Frustrated. I was extremely frustrated, disappointed, and I felt caught off guard by that decision. Yeah. You know, it was basically a reaction to what's going on in Franklin County, Ohio, not in, not in the Big Ten uh, or, you know, as far as, or even the state of Ohio, but it was pretty much because of uh, requests made by, by Franklin County, Ohio. And uh, how did, how did Paris react when he found out you weren't going to get to watch him play a football game for maybe, maybe one he of the stopped. first times in his life? Huh? He, he, for once he had a loss of words and anyone who knows Paris is that that rarely happens. <laughs> and so he couldn't believe it. He didn't understand what went wrong. And I had to share with them that it wasn't something that we as parents did wrong because we've done everything that was asked of us. And, you know, when we're in a stadium, we are more than six feet apart, social distancing, and we are wearing our face masks and we are staying within our own little family pod. And so it, 
we were caught off guard and, and he was too. And, and again, Paris bounced back immediately and just said, hey, we have no control over it. So we just have to move forward and make the best of the situation. I was going to say, when, when you've gone to the first three games, did you get to go to the game in, in Penn State at Penn State? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because you you are you are the freshman rep, I think, on y'all's on y'all's Ohio State Parents Football Parents Association, right? I mean, you're yes. you're quite involved in in an organization. You thought you were just going to be organi- organizing uh, tailgates and things like that, right? Who's Absolutely, bringing, the potatoes bringing my famous brownies to the, there you to the tailgate. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what I'm talking about. But this has been a, a like Nan Werner was talking about. It's been a challenge of a different. You didn't know that. You know, some of you didn't even know you had the organizational skills to deal with, with protesting no. the Big Ten and things like that. But, <laughs> but uh, what was it like? What was it like being in the stadium? Uh, those stadiums, though, those three games you did get to go to. It, just how weird was it? Uh, it was different. massive. Yeah, go ahead. It was extremely different. You know because it was no crowd um the, but the let me interrupt you let me interrupt those are two two of the three largest or two of the four largest stadiums in college football we're talking about that you ohio stadium and then penn state's uh, yes. uh beaver stadium so go ahead i mean that had to be like you said weird go it, ahead. it was it was definitely different and again i was grateful to be there it was exciting to watch him run out on the field and, and see the boys playing, but it was different. It wasn't what I imagined Paris's yeah. freshman year to be. So it, it was just different. It was just extremely different. And I missed the crowd. I missed the energy that Buckeye Nation brings. And so I can't wait to next year when prayerfully we'll be able to bring folks back into the stadium and we can celebrate and cheer the boys on yeah. Hey, one last thing. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. And I should know it. Like a lawyer, I should know the answer before I ask <laughs> it. But are you are you guys welcome at Illinois this week? What have you yes. heard? Yes. Thank God we did here. Yes. So we are going to the game. So I'm yeah. very grateful. <laughs> well, there you go. You got. He's yeah. got a. And what about Michigan State next week? Is that off or what do you hear? We haven't heard anything. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah, just ready to go. You, you just got ga- You got a full tank of gas and you're ready to go. That's right. I'm gonna be ready. There you go. Keep my fingers well, crossed and praying that we'll be able to, you know, finish out the rest of the season. I gotcha. Well, hey, real quick, I want to hit this up real quick again. Uh, like I said, if you want to make monetary donations to the to the Paris Johnson Jr. Foundation, and I highly recommend it because uh, this <clears throat> this is a legit uh, effort uh, by an exercise by an Ohio State football player, freshman football player, Paris Johnson, uh, and, and basically his mom. You know, you. you You've you've experienced her, ladies and gentlemen, on the Tim May podcast. These these are two legit individuals and who mean well uh, times four. But you can make them to PayPal.me slash Paris Junior Foundation, or you can make them at any any Huntington Bank branch. You know, and they're obviously Huntington's headquartered in Columbus, so there are plenty of those around here. And then you can also mail them to the Paris Johnson Junior Foundation, PO Box four six two one five. Cincinnati, Ohio, 45246-0215. Yes. Monica Johnson, thank you very much for joining the Tim May Podcast again, and have a great Thanksgiving. You do the same. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you down the road, all right? Sounds good. Thank you. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with my buddy, Awesome. You know him as Austin Ward. I know him as Awesome Ward. I used to call him Boston. He was uh, too humble for me to call him that, so I had to come up with something even more clever. I think Awesome is the correct, clever nickname. What do you think, Awesome? I'll just, as long as you have me on the show, you can call me whatever you want, Tim. I'm just trying to increase your Q rating, just like I'm trying to increase my Q rating, but I digress. Bottom line is uh, Monica Johnson uh, and her son, Paris Johnson Jr., Man, these guys, these guys are different these days, man. There's some, you know, just when you think uh, all is lost with the younger generation, along comes fellas like this, right? He's a sharp, sharp guy. She's a sharp lady. Uh, you know, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago when she was on. I mean, it's a, uh, Ryan Day was talking about culture in a story for a story that Berm wrote on Friday. Like, yeah. why is Ohio State avoiding some of the issues that have plagued now and really with the bottom falling out at Penn State and Michigan? What, what separates Ohio State? Uh, well, obviously, they're a talented football team, but they're also recruiting very good people, and they everyone likes going to work. You don't see a flood of guys going to the transfer portal like Penn State has had over the years or, um, you know, injury schematic yeah. issues and whatever with Michigan. Like, Ohio State's – they're building it with people like Paris Johnson and his family. That's the only way you can do it. Exactly. I mean, you – as, as I've said many times, man, whatever goes in the sawmill is what's going to come out of the sawmill in a finished product, you know. And uh, if you put good, if you put good, nice, you know, well-groomed trees through one end, you're going to get great uh, furniture coming out the other end, you know, or or lumber. And uh, without a doubt, that's exactly what we're talking about here. I mean, uh, you know, it's, and it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see when the name image and likeness thing is fully relaxed, how many guys use it for good as opposed to just lining their own pockets, you know. And uh, I think Paris Johnson Jr. has already established uh, which way he's headed in that regard. But, you know, let's talk about what, what, what most folks are talking about right now in Ohio State land. They're equating or at least comparing, and I don't know if you use the word favorably or unfavorably, the Ohio State secondary right now to what went on in 2018 when Ohio State gave up big play after big play defensively. Now, that was both running and passing way back then. Uh, but there's no doubt about it. I mean, when you give up 28 points in the second half to a team that you have taken a 35-7 to lead on, uh, there are things that need to be fixed. And without a doubt, uh, Indiana came out bound to turn to Michael Penix Jr., Ty Freifogel, and company. They were just going to throw the ball on almost every down. They did. I think they have set, as we talked about earlier in this podcast, they have set the blueprint for how teams are probably going to come after Ohio State because why wouldn't you? Because it's not just that Ohio State may be stopping the run. It's just that they're giving up big pass plays. Yeah. And uh, why wouldn't you Why wouldn't you uh, pick the fruit where the fruit is the, uh, is the thickest on the tree? And I think that's what you know, you're going to see teams try to do, especially starting this week. At Illinois, with uh, Peters throwing the ball to Matter Bebe, I mean that's just one of the combinations they had going against Nebraska the other day. Now, I know that's apples and oranges. Speaking of fruit, uh, when you compare Ohio State to Nebraska, 
but still, it is definitely cause for concern for the Ohio State coaches going this week. And which way do you think they're going to go? Uh, awesome. I would be <clears> – <throat> I'm trying to think of the right way to term, to term this. I think it would be surprising, and there would be a lot of people inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center would be disappointed if they don't make some personnel changes this week. Uh, My perspective on this has changed a little bit than what we talked about after Rutgers and Penn State. I think that, you know, the reasons to kind of brush that off made sense. But now you're at that point where three is a trend. And obviously Indiana's talented, but um, it's not working at safety. Um, They're having issues with the slot cornerback position. um, And they have other guys that are capable of playing. Now, do you – want to wholesale change, make wholesale changes and trust freshmen at this point? Maybe, maybe you don't, but, uh, you know, Bryson Shaw and Ronnie Hickman aren't freshmen. Um, they're experienced. They've had time to develop under, under Mickey Marathi and, and, and know what would be required of that position. Um, yep. also have, you know, I mean, if they really want, I think they like what Josh Proctor is doing when he's playing that slot cornerback role. And they're probably hesitant to, shift him out of there because of what I just talked about with, you know, some of the inconsistency they've seen maybe Marcus Williamson and, and then you might have to you create another problem if you move yep. Josh Proctor to, to free safety, um, you know, cause he so, might, but listen, listen, cause he's playing a role himself. I mean, he is that, he is, uh, like yeah. he said, he's that Swiss army knife and I think he's been very effective in that, in that regard. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah. So I think, you know, the point is Ohio state can't play worse than it did in the secondary in the second half against Indiana. The first half was still really good. Um, and again, this, that's sort of been that, you know, flip a coin and tail of two halves thing that we've talked about really three weeks in a row. You can't yeah. ignore the fact that they, when they're playing their best, that's still a pretty dominant group. You also absolutely can't deny that in the second half of all three games, they've been exposed in the air. So um, they can't do worse than 491 yards allowed. They also can't let that ever happen again if they're going to be uh, a college football playoff national champion. So if that's the case, and you now have uh, Illinois, Michigan State, and maybe Michigan, maybe Michigan's a test, maybe it's not. You have a couple weeks here to experiment and get better. Illinois has no business, will not be able to beat Ohio State on Saturday. They didn't get the training camp. They didn't get spring ball. We've talked about that ad nauseum. I think that's showing. They need a chance to see what Ryan Watts and Legend Cavazos can do at cornerback. They need a chance to let Ronnie Hickman, Bryson Shaw, Lathan Ransom, maybe Cam Martinez play. Those guys need to get out there because right now, Marcus Hooker and Marcus Williamson are 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 lowering the ceiling for this team. Yeah, you know, I have to agree with you on everything you said, and uh, you know, I just remember 2018. One of the things that happened, remember, about midseason, late midseason, they suddenly put Brendan White in there at safety, and it didn't cure everything that was wrong with it because we all remember the game at Maryland. Oh my goodness. But Brennan White ended up being the uh, defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl. Of course, you know, he transferred out for many reasons after the 2019 season and played is now playing for Rutgers at Rutgers. But the change did make a difference, you know, and uh, it's, it's almost like you give people enough rope until they tie themselves up with it. And, uh, and this is no slam because some guys, sometimes guys have to, have to get get into the the battle the you know the 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 fray to understand where they need to improve and sometimes they need to step back from it and maybe let others play to really get an idea for it and to settle down et cetera but 
you know, like I pointed out, there were just a couple of plays. And this isn't picking on Hooker. This is just pointing out an obvious thing. But the Freifogel play where Freifogel drifted deep over the middle and uh, Michael Penix Jr. Uh, rolled left and just kind of set up out there and was waiting for somebody to break wide open. Marcus Hooker came flying, came running up on that play. He was deeper than Freifogel at one point, but he came flying up on the play because he thought maybe the play was either going to be a short pass into the flat or uh, Penix was going to run. And Freifogel just the, the number one receiver, in my opinion, on Indiana drifted behind him wide open in the end zone, touchdown. Yeah. There was another play where it, uh, I believe it was Taraja Mitchell was out uh, in coverage out in the left flat. And, uh, and I, I don't even know what the, uh, you know what the responsibilities there were, but it looked like there was supposed to be a safety over the top uh, on that side because Mitchell just let this receiver go and he stayed in the left flat or the right flat. And that, that guy caught the ball, you remember, and scored a touchdown. And I don't, I don't remember exactly who that receiver was, but Hooker was the guy chasing him pretty much at the end. And you, you, both of them ended up looking at each other like, who blew what? You know, who blew what assignment there? And I was going to say, hey, we're talking about November here. But then we're also talking about just the fourth <laughs> game of the year. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like you just said, lack of experience and then lack of games and really lack of spring ball, et cetera, I think have all caught up with a bunch of the, the players on this team and, and the scheme, et cetera. And like I pointed out in our rapid uh, reaction, our fire truck to the fire um, situation after the game on Saturday, you know, maybe they're being – maybe they're playing a little bit too complex of stuff, you know. Maybe just go to two deep safeties and uh, man up underneath and – get after it now. You know, who knows what that – it's not just the players, I don't think, involved. I think there could be some scheme there because when you have guys just blowing coverages, that's one thing. But you can't ever have your safety not being the deep, as deep as the deepest. You know, we remember and, – and what I'm saying here is guys can learn. Mike Doss against Drew Brees back in 2000 let a play out the gate when he came running up on a play where there was a – basically uh, the receiver ran a, a stop and go. And – uh and Drew Brees and, and Purdue end up going to the Rose Bowl because of hitting that touchdown play. Well, Mike Doss ended up being an All-American a couple of years later, a key, a key uh, part of the 2002 National Championship team. So guys do need to have the luxury of learning on the run, or as a race car driver once told me, he never had the luxury of crashing cars like some drivers do on better finance teams. you got to have the luxury of crashing a few times to kind of learn some hard lessons. But those are really hard to – but the flip side of it is, like you said, give some other people a shot and see what they can do too, right? Yeah, I think that's, that's really where I'm at with that, that uh, it, it's not uh, – you know, I'm, I'm not entrenched or not willing to be – you know, right now I'm just saying that Marcus Hooker and Marcus Williamson uh, are, are in a, a rut, you know, and they are hurting Ohio State. It's not an indictment or a suggestion that they could never – be key contributors to a national championship team or a Big Ten championship team. They can be. And obviously, Kerry Combs and that defensive staff are seeing enough in practice, which that's the other six days of the week we see one, that they yeah. are still willing to put those guys out there. I, I, I get that. But I also think that if you don't know in the game, which is what happened with Brendan White two years ago, and he had his own issues you know, last season and uh, and it didn't work out, but, you know, those other guys need an opportunity to crash and burn too. That's why he recruited them. 
It's, yeah. I, it's not like Ronnie Hickman, just for an example, um, was some like gamble on the recruiting trail. He's a four-star recruit. Um, and his recruiting profile is actually higher than Marcus Hooker's. And not only that, but his name keeps flashing on special teams plays too. So he's yeah. getting after it. You know, he's paying some price. The same is true for Bryson Shaw. The same is true for those cornerbacks that I mentioned. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I don't, you know, we're not privy to everything that's happening on the practice field, but what happens in a game is what measures and counts the most. And you have a situation here where the rest of the players will recognize it. And if they're just, if those are the only two guys that are allowed to play moving forward, you know what will happen. There will be distrust. There will be uh, division between the coaches and, and the locker room. You, like, that's, yeah. that's how bad the situation was in the second half. I know that those conversations are being had because they're already leaking out of there. Uh, Ohio yeah. State knows that other players need a chance to play those positions because there is, uh, there's no margin for error this year. If Ohio State loses the game, they will not go to the college football playoff. That's just right. that's the way it is. And they, can't, they have to get that sewn up as quickly as possible. Yeah, and you know, and we can we can all look at like the game at Illinois, the two days after Thanksgiving, high noon start, as being a a check mark in Ohio State, win, you know, win column. You know, well, I, I say, uh, I say this. I mean, it is folly to take anything for granted this season. Right. Anything. Yep. Uh, but but it does look favorable for Ohio State against Illinois, against Michigan State, which, you know, God bless its heart, tried to throw the ball against uh, Indiana, but oh my goodness, you know, they got problems of their own at, at quarterback and, and protecting uh, protecting the quarterback. I mean, so that game's up there, and then setting up the uh, uh, the next week, and then setting up the uh, the showdown with Michigan in Ohio Stadium at high noon on December the twelfth. We've all seen Michigan's problems on both sides of the ball. You know, it looks like Ohio State has a uh, rose. Uh, pedaled a path all the way to the Big Ten championship game uh, just on paper. Uh, we'll see if that, in fact, happens. And it looks like it's going to be against Northwestern, which beat Wisconsin on Saturday, dominated Wisconsin defensively. Now, Wisconsin was without several key players. And, by the way, I'd like to say one of them was Crookshank, who's now playing for Rutgers. <laughs> but, uh, but Wisconsin was without several key players offensively. And Northwestern definitely, you know, but Graham Mertz was off was off base, uh, was kept off base by a really good uh, pressure by Northwestern uh, defensive front and uh, threw some really bad balls in that game, uh, et cetera. So, you know, just when you think you've got things figured out in the Big Ten in college football this year, Northwestern jumps up and dominates Wisconsin, you know. And uh, so that's kind of the year we're living in right now. Don't take nothing for granted, which is why when Ohio State goes to Illinois on Saturday, and by the way, take a, take a check at my cup here. <laughs> Walker Brothers, Pancake House, Champaign, Illinois. Um, you know, take nothing for granted, but also go out there and just, you know, play, man. Let it all hang out offensively and defensively. Like I pointed out, you know, we, we're ripping on the defense right now. The offense scored one touchdown in the second half to take a 35-7 lead and then retired, in essence, for the afternoon from the scoring standpoint. Had a shot at points uh, at one point later in the game. Uh, decided not to kick a field goal and went for it on fourth down. And it, let's face it, that was probably the cherry on top of what was not Justin Fields' finest game as a Buckeye or as a as a quarterback. Uh, that little flip pass he tried to throw to Luke Farrell on what I thought was a really odd play anyway. But uh, 
you know, I will stand by my my stance that Ohio, you know, Ryan Day should have elected to try the field goal there for all kinds of reasons. One of which was it would put Ohio State up by two scores late in the game, number or midway through the game, fourth quarter. But also would have given Jake Siebert would have given him a maybe a shot in the arm from the standpoint of kicking a field goal because he had missed one earlier in the day. And that's a freshman kicker. They may still be relying on him, you know, the next several weeks because Blake Hallbile's a uh, uh, groin injury. Uh, has has persisted at least till now. So there, I, I thought that was not a good decision by Ryan Day. Uh, you know, and we can debate that all we want, but but the bottom line is the offense has has some. Uh, even though it had 600 yards, has some questions to answer, right? Well, for you know, for me, I would say they don't really have questions to answer because of the 600 yards. Um, again, like the second half That's wasn't two perfect. straight second halves though. Where yeah, no, no, of- yeah, I, I I completely I completely agree with what you're saying right there. Uh, I think we'd just be talking about a completely different situation without the, obviously the turnovers and they're a big part of the game. It's the same thing as the big plays on defense. I guess the reason I don't have questions about, about Ohio state's offense is because I don't think that that will ever happen again to Justin Fields. I don't know how it happened in the first place because that was so out of character for him. Indiana got to him. They rattled him. The offensive line again, if, if, if there is one and you wrote about this last week, you know, Ohio State's going to – the same way the teams are going to throw on them or try to, they're going to blitz them like crazy because that's the only yes. way that you can possibly hope to contend uh, with Justin Fields and, and those weapons that he has in the passing attack. So, you know, the secondary has to improve and the, and the you know, pass protection, uh, blitz pickup, that can certainly get better for Ohio State too. But Get rid of the ball, yeah. get rid of the ball, et cetera. And that's, and, that's on, and that's on Fields. And I think, you know, look, he hasn't had a lot of uh, – learning lessons in his career Uh, he hasn't almost every week he's been perfect and that's just not that's not a realistic standard even though he's a truly special player but that's why I don't I mean he's how many players could even hope to overcome the three big mistakes that he made he had 300 yards uh through the air uh two touchdowns there a rushing touchdown I think 70 70 some yards rushing only only a couple players could ever hope to come back from what happened in that game to him. Yeah, yeah, seventy eight yards rushing to to, yeah. to to make your point. And uh, and uh, but you're exactly right. Uh, but the flip. But what was funny though is Ohio State was on guard, man. The first half in the first drive of the second half. Yep. Indiana's game plan. I mean, Indiana was coming after them. They knew it. Indiana led the Big Ten with ten interceptions going into that game. Uh, uh, it, you knew exactly what was coming. They had 12 sacks going into that game. They were, well, the, you know, Indiana knows it's not going to just line up in stone teams defensively. But if it can cause you to make mistakes, they have a shot. That's what they show. That's what they show in every game this year. And they sh- And what what you saw was Ohio State up 35-7. If you just lose that half, half a half an ed- half a point of an edge to yourself offensively, offensive line wise, uh, just uh, maybe concentration-wise for Justin Fields, et cetera, uh, Indiana's the kind of team that can pounce on that. And I think you saw that in the second half a little bit. Just lose that little bit slight part of your edge, and Indiana Indiana can make a game of it. And that's exactly what you saw. And I think that's another lesson learned for Ohio State is finish what you started. 35-7, to 7, you know, people don't just look at the first half of games, man. They look at the whole game. So that's what I keep reminding people about. So it's not just how you start, it's how you finish. With that said, Ohio State remain number three in the polls. I think it'll be uh, when the first college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night, they will be 
I think they'll be number three, number two or three, based on the way things have gone. You agree with that, right? Yeah, I think probably number three, just because the sample size is small. But, um, yeah. you know, don't nobody should overreact to that at this point. Because uh, Ohio State will still have an opportunity. If Northwestern handles its business, then we're looking at two undefeated teams in the Big Ten title game. Even if it's not Wisconsin, um, that's going to be two teams in the top six. So that'll, that'll be an opportunity. Um, to make that closing argument for the Buckeyes down the stretch when it, if, if it gets to that. Other teams could lose. we still got Clemson, Notre Dame, and all that, but don't worry about tomorrow night is my, my number one takeaway. Yeah, I know, because people ask me hypotheticals all the time, and I go, man, doesn't your head hurt when you start thinking of even of scenarios? Right. Let the season happen, man. Let yep. the season happen, right? And that's what we're going to do. But until next time, uh, this is the Tim May Podcast. I uh, thank my buddy Awesome Ward for coming on once again, and, you know, Game at Illinois, I mean, take, do not take Lovey Smith to fighting Lovey Smith slightly. I don't think Ohio State will, but I'll tell you what, strange things have happened over there before. You know, in, in the 37 years I've been watching Ohio, covering Ohio State football, I've seen some weird stuff over there in that wind tunnel. If the wind's blowing, I'm telling you what, all bets are off. Well, maybe not all bets. <laughs> but until next week when we chop that up and look forward to Ohio State's game against Michigan State and other developments, uh, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.